You're listening to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. I'm Gandalf. I'm Matt. And I'm Nathan Van Horn. The Bible is the most read book ever, but to some, it is merely fiction. Join our conversations as we connect the dots to reveal that the story of the Bible is not only true, it's better than fiction. To learn more about the show or to contact us directly, visit us online at www.betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com. Welcome back, listener, to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, and welcome back to us, the hosts of the show. Joining you as always is me, Gandalf, and my comrades, Nathan Van Horn and Matt. How are you guys doing? Uh, Good to be back. It's so funny that we talked about Hitler's folly and attacking the Soviet Union right before we started recording, and then you led off with comrades. <laughs> I actually thought that. <laughs> I, I, that makes me feel better. <laughs> Listener, you know it's going to be a hot episode when like the first thing out of Nathan's mouth hey, is we like just talked Hitler. about Hitler. <laughs> well, and, and, and Pearl Harbor. I mean, we were talking right, about World War II in right. general. Yeah. We're coming in hot, listeners. <laughs> now, this is going to be an exciting episode. <laughs> what a productive bunch. Oh, now, God. listener, to you, there has only been one week where we were on break for the 4th of July weekend. But to us, this is like the first time we've recorded in like, I don't know, like six, seven weeks. It's been a while. So forgive us if, uh, if we seem a little bit rusty. Yeah. Um, but summers, are, so rusty. summers are chaos, man. It's true. It's true. But but I'm not so rusty that I have forgotten to remind you, listener, who has listened all the way to episode 131, to like and subscribe to the Better Than Fiction Bible podcast. And on that front, no pun intended, I come bearing good news. Uh, it turns out my badgering, you guys, the audience, to subscribe has paid off because um, Apple Podcasts, who we use the most for our internal metrics, has reported to me that 86% of you guys who regularly listen are indeed subscribed. And that's up from like 15% this time last year or whatever it was. It was low. It was less than 20% of you. So not only thank you you for hanging around, but thank you for like uh, connecting even beyond just hanging around, like making it official. Yeah. This, this does remind me of the Patrick Lincioni book, the advantage it's about organizational health, which for him kind of comes down to two things. Like you need, Well, you need cohesion, but you achieve cohesion through clarity and communication and especially over communication. So what we lack in clarity, we make up for by over communicating at the beginning and end of every episode, like and subscribe and share with a friend. There we go. And please, we love those Apple podcast reviews, like the written reviews that go along with the stars that we that impacts us, both us personally as people, but also the almighty algorithm that disseminates this podcast to the masses that helps us Mm -hmm. tremendously. And if you want to leave comments, questions, concerns, criticisms, exaltations, whatever you want at our website, better than fiction, Bible podcast.com. And with all that being said, gentlemen, is it too much to hope for that? We are moving to Genesis 26. It is indeed. (laughs) It is is too much to hope for. Here's what's (laughs) funny. Here's, so we had a big family get together for Fourth of July, all the siblings and our, you know, our kids, my parents, grandkids, and my brother and I were there, and we were like retelling all the childhood stories that make us laugh. And like Ben, 
like Ben, like race beef with me. He's like, dude, you're always saying on the podcast that I accuse y'all of going too slow. He said, I literally did that one time. He said it was when y'all were done with Sodom and Gomorrah. And then Matt had a weird idea about the two daughters being four daughters. And y'all circled back after you said you were moving forward. <laughs> um, so I was like, number one, have you been paying attention to our coverage of how sibling relationships work on the show? Uh, and I was like, number two, surprise, we're going to give you one more in Genesis 25. <laughs> what, what are we talking about in Genesis 25? Because if I recall correctly, we went all the way to the end of the chapter with Esau despising his birthright. Well, so that's what we're, we're talking going about. to look at the last five words there. Yeah. Thus Esau despised his birthright. That's what we're going to hone in on. Um, so and it's, not, look- it's not that we haven't said anything about it, but there's much more to say. Yeah, so there's there's a couple things here. Like, if you are a faithful listener to the podcast, and I'm assuming that's 86% of you, um, is that... Earn. <laughs> that's right. But... You know who you, you are. Learned, <laughs> you know that there are a few things that we repeat a lot here, like the whole idea of Chekhov's gun, something that is introduced early and comes back up late. We, we've talked about that so much, and that's kind of like what's uh, uh, going on here. But then there's also the more uh, theological sounding version of Chekhov's gun is that, hey, they were living the Exodus while they were reading Genesis or they were living Genesis while uh, reading Genesis while uh, living Living the Exodus. Exodus. And and, and keep in mind, I, I understand that it probably was a lot of oral culture and sit around the campfires and sharing these stories and occasionally being read to by Moses. Like I, I, I get that and stuff like that. But the point is, is while they were experiencing Exodus, they were f- reflecting on Genesis. That's, that's what we're getting at. And so because of that, there are words that get introduced and there are themes that get introduced in Genesis where, Hey, we're going to see that again. And that's what we really want to talk about today. So since it's just one verse, um, I'm going to volunteer myself to read that. How um, noble of you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I, I just want to acknowledge the, the weightiness and the heaviness of this one verse and give it its due. Right. Uh, that'll make sense in a minute. Tune in next time when Nathan reads the entirety of Genesis 26. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so anyway, as always from the ESV, here's the one verse and I'll let these guys take it away. Uh, this is Genesis chapter 25 and verse number 34. And keep in mind, this comes after the story of when Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of lentil stew. Verse 34. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose, went his way. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. That's our story. Five words. Thus, Esau despised his birthright. So we talked a little bit about birthright, but we really want to hone in on this word despise, despise. So Gandalf, what do you think? Just surface level looking at this stuff. What do you think is going on here? Well, clearly Esau doesn't think much of his birthright. He's willing to trade it for a bowl of stew and not even that, not even that Esau stew. We're talking about that lentil stew. That's right. Even the good stuff. It's it's a cheap imitation of the red meat, right? It's just it's vegetable Mm. stew, even though it looks like you know he's taking instant gratification for long term gain. Mm. Yeah, 
Cho- yeah, choosing choosing the moment over the future. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and Nathan, what do you see here? This is something that you you pointed out and earlier when we were talking about the language of despised. What is this oh, about despised? To other places? Yeah. Well, yeah. So first of all, this is the first time that word is used, which is something we often highlight as significant. Ding, ding, ding. Um, but it, it is interesting with the whole uh, reading Genesis or reflecting on Genesis while you're living the Exodus thing. Um, mm. Despised is not not used before this. The next time despised is used after this um, is in Numbers. This and is it's so at a, fascinating. A, to it's me. at a pivotal place in Numbers. It's that's a uh, long way from here. Okay, too. so yeah, so and before I make yes this no. point, yeah, yes and no, because you're living the Exodus <laughs> while you're reading right. Genesis. You're on the where 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 are they? Not just we think of the Exodus, we think of where they leave. Right, they're right. leaving Egypt. They're in the wilderness, which is mm-hmm. which is by the way in the very next passage. God's going to tell Isaac, don't go down to Egypt. Like this is, this is very connected. Um, but where are they going in the Exodus, Gandalf? They're going to eventually to the promised land. What is the birthright that Esau despised? <laughs> uh, you see what I'm saying? But here, yeah. and here's why it's significant. The inheritance it, of the land. That's it. Mm. Um, so, um, so why is that significant? Because the next time you see despised in the text is in, and this is from the Hebrew Batzah. Uh, the next time you see it in the text is in Numbers 14. In Numbers 13, they're at the precipice of occupying the land that God had sworn to their forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. Not Esau. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Uh, they're at the precipice of entering that land. They send in 12 spies, one for each tribe. Of the 12 spies who return, they all agree the land is everything that God said it would be. But 10 of the 12 say, but God can't give it to us. It's too big. Uh, the people are too big. They're too well fortified. Uh, we we can't take this land. Only two of the spies give back a favorable report, Joshua and Caleb, uh, which is, by the way, when they when they go in under Joshua, they send two spies, not 12. It's That, that has to be related. Um, they, they don't make that mistake again. That's they don't right. send the committee. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, we uh, we need a delegation, not a committee. Um, uh, but on, in, in Numbers 13 and 14, on the basis of the negative report of those 10 spies, the people as a whole refuse mm. to enter the land. and Refuse uh, the birthright. They refuse the birthright. They Not only do they refuse it, Matt, they despise oh, yeah. it. They uh, despise it. it. Yeah, if, mm. if you go to Numbers... Uh, uh, fourteen twenty. Following it says, "Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and yet have put me to the test these ten times. This is a big passage in Numbers, by the way, and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers, and none of those who despised me." shall see it. Uh, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went and his descendants shall possess it. Um, So Nathan, let me ask you a question. So when we're seeing the usage of despised used in both places, Israel despised their blessing because they didn't think God could deliver. Um, 
Esau's despising is not seemingly based on not believing God can't deliver. It's even like a almost a worse despising. It's like to me, it comes across as indifference. Like yeah, it's 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 um it, uh, or an apathy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's you know I, we were talking beforehand. It's it's the, there's several concepts that seem to be uh, not lexically uh, connected, but uh, thematically connected. Like mm-hmm. uh, like in that passage, God talks about none of the men who have seen my glory, right, and my signs that I did in Egypt, and yet have put me to the test. What what is the Hebrew word for glory? It's the Hebrew word kavod. Uh, what yeah. what what is it? What does kavod literally mean? It means <laughs> Wait, weightiness. Waiting. They mm. um they are despising Esau is despising by taking something heavy and making light of it. No big deal. <laughs> you know what this makes me think of? Uh, so <clears throat> just going to go ahead and say I went ahead and saw the new Indiana Jones film, which by the way has got a hot lot. Take has gotten a lot of hate. <laughs> Everybody's like, ah, it's terrible. Just go watch the thing. Like, I'm, I really, I'm, can really I admit that it. 15 years later, I'm still wounded by Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> this was better than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, okay. See, I liked Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> I, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was as good as the original three, but I would throw this one in there with up with the originals. That I liked it that much. Um, it, I, it was I've good. been hurt before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the things is that uh, when you think about Indiana Jones film, there is this like common, common theme. Like he's this archaeologist. He's he's going on this quest to find all these historical artifacts. You've got Reddits of the Ostlark. You're looking for, you know, the Holy Ark of the Covenant. And then there is the the Temple of Doom. They're looking for the 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 the, the Shiva crystals or something like that. Uh, and then there's uh of course, the the quest for the Grail. And uh, I yes. seek the Grail. <laughs> Sorry, different, diff- different, different movie. movie different yeah, movie. different. Jehovah starts with an I. Okay, that, that's right. And that's that's the, literally the, the name of one of our episodes. That's right. Yeah. Jehovah starts with an I. But but it seems like here's the reoccurring theme in all the Indiana Jones films. Even though he has all these supernatural experiences with all of these artifacts, he is super super skeptical about all kinds of supernaturalism. It's like every film he's like, yeah, there's just a lot of religious mumbo jumbo, like whatever. Like he carries over like the Harrison Ford, Han Solo, like that's like uh, really questioning all the, the Jedi stuff. It, it carries over into Indiana Jones. And even though he experiences over and over and over all this supernatural stuff, he's very, very, very skeptical of dealing with the sacred space or dealing with skeptical stuff because to him, everything just belongs in a museum. And yet the quest of all these movies is finding, Oh wait, there actually was something to that. So I feel like that Esau, this failure to acknowledge what's important and sacred and heavy it it's kind of like in some ways like that the the indiana jones trajectory uh yeah and mm. uh yeah I, I i i i track with that um i go back to genesis 12 like the beginning of the covenant um like if you if you go back to genesis 12 let me pull that up real quick uh to make sure that i am in the esb since i am occasional csb guy on the podcast um uh, 
The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kinfolk and your father kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The land is pivotal in this, right? And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Literally in Hebrew, it's imperative. So you be a blessing. Verse three is huge. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you or by you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We typically focus on the last part of the verse. In you, by you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I want to rewind just a little bit. I will bless those who bless you. The one who baracks you, I will barack. And the one who dishonors you, I will curse. The, The Hebrew word for dishonor there is kalal which literally means to take lightly. Mm. Um, so is that, is that the same thing as like despise? Is that like It's mean? not the same. same uh, word, it, it's, it's not. It's again, principle. it's not lexically connected, but thematically I would argue that it is connected. You have mm. God's weightiness is God's glory. To mm. dishonor Abraham within the covenant is to take him lightly. To despise mm. something uh, is to, you see what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, it's something that is hugely significant that in, in other words, it's kind of like I'll, sometimes I like to have this discussion by asking people, how heavy is a flag? <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's much heavier than the fabric. You can't have a flag without fabric, but a flag is much more than fabric. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I remember when I took AP U.S. history in high school and um, our teacher was a former army ranger and he had some cool stories, by the way. Uh, but he was a former army ranger and he took our class on a field trip to Vicksburg. And there was this one place where he wanted us to charge, uh, uphill as a class, but the, the bannerman led the charge, like the guy holding the flag. And he, he wanted to capture for us that it wasn't just, you weren't just proceeding with a rifle in your gear. You were following the flag. Like he was capturing that the identity, everything that the flag represented. And so we took turns, and every so often he would say, boom, and that represented the bannerman being shot down. And your instinct uh, under his instruction, when your bannerman is shot, you don't raise your rifle, you pick up the flag first. Like, mm. you see what I'm saying? Like, mm. what's what's the most important thing you can have in combat if you're taking a hill? Is it your rifle or is it the flag? How much does a flag weigh? And where... Where Esau gets into trouble is he takes something that God has made very heavy. The land was such a crucial part of the promise to Abraham about how God would provide a guy who was called away from his land with a land on the basis of the promise. Again, at the time of his death, the only land that Abraham owns is the cave of Machpelah, which he purchased. Mm. Um, They're not coming into it in the time of Isaac. They're not fully coming into it in the time of Jacob, they're not fully coming into the time of Joseph. In fact, they end Genesis in Egypt. But we're living the Exodus while we're reading the Genesis, uh, while we're reading and reflecting on Genesis. And an entire generation is about to refuse to take hold of the land. They're about to despise the birthright. Mm-hmm. Like that's huge. <laughs> and and, and like every Indiana Jones film, after taking it lightly at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, wait, it was real. That was a really bad. Don't place. open your eyes. Yeah, oh. <laughs> that's right. Oh. I'm pretty sure angels are coming out of the Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> you know, your your uh, your talk about the flag 
and like the weight of the flag and what that means, it reminds me of my favorite historical film, and none shall dissuade me. It's Mel Gibson's The Patriot. Mm. Even though it's not mm. historically accurate at all, I will never recant. Amer- Ameri- the, American is... Braveheart. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, because <laughs> remember at the at the end, right? The, everyone's retreating, and he picks up the flag, and they all rally, and they that's it. The battle or whatever. Forward, that's it. Man. They don't. They don't rally behind a rifle. They rally behind a flag. Yep. Like if 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 you're if you, and then that's a perfect example. Uh, because again, if you're trying to win a battle, you think you need a rifle, and maybe all you need is a flag. Hmm. Um, like I, I took a class, uh, I don't know how this came up in my brain, but it did. I took a class, I, I referenced it. Uh, I took a class on 19th century European, um, uh, politics. And part of that is the Italian, uh, the, uh, unification movements within, uh, Germany and Italy, uh, two of the last uh, nations in, uh, central and Western Europe to reach nationhood, which explains some of world war one and world war two. Um, but uh, in what do you need to unify a country? Well, you've got you've got a military leader behind those movements, but you've also got a guy. Uh, I think it was Giuseppe Mazzini in um, in Italy. He was the pen. He was he was the word guy. He was the symbol guy. You have to have a message. You have to have something. Words are weightless, but they carry great weight. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, I may have gotten my Italian guys wrong. I haven't studied that since college, but. Give me a pass. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, but like that's the that's the by the way, and uh, we're not done. That's not uh, it's not a one and done connection with um, despised. By the way, my favorite example of where this is significant is later in the prophet Isaiah, and this is this is one that should hit us in light of the discussions mm-hmm. uh, we're yeah. having because it's precisely in the Exodus, uh, Exodus four. Uh, when Moses is at the burning bush, that uh, the father-son relationship between God and his people are is established for the first time. Israel is my firstborn son. Um, in the prophet Isaiah, you have several passages, and by the way, this word despise appears in more than one of them, uh, uh, but you have several passages that are songs, the most famous of which is Isaiah 52, 13 through Isaiah 53, 12, the song of the suffering servant, right? Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So he shall sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root from dry ground. He had no majesty that we should look at him uh, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was Batsa. Mm-hmm. There it is. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Uh, mm-hmm. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was Batsa, despised, and we esteemed him not. Um, they, it, they they didn't real. And you know what it makes me think of, Nathan, when you read that, is that they didn't realize what they were doing. Because the New Testament is going to pick up on that, talking about Esau, yeah. is that he handled this so casually that he didn't realize what he was doing. 
it reminds me of when you say Isaiah 53 of Luke 19, uh, 41, when Jesus then knowing is the weeping. hour of your visitation. Yeah. When Jesus is weeping yeah. over Jerusalem and said, would that you, even you had known on this day, things that would make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes for the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and skipping to the end and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation it's it's failure to acknowledge the appropriate sacred thing that's happening right in front of you and and i think maybe also i was thinking earlier in this episode is the struggle that we have as westerners is especially being so influenced by secularism that where nothing is sacred. We're Indiana Jones. That's right. We are. Sacredness is just societally defined. And we learn from this story, no, actually some things are sacred, period, whether you acknowledge them or not. And to ignore their sacredness hurts you because it may cause you to miss a blessing or worse, According to Isaiah 53 and Luke 19, it may cause you to miss Jesus. There are some things that are sacred, and you ignore them at your peril. Listener, something you shouldn't ignore or at your peril <laughs> is a subscription to the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast, where every week we're going to bring you another 30 minutes of discussion of the grand biblical narrative. And next week, I'm going to make an executive decision as the producer of the podcast. Next week, we will be in Genesis. Uh, <laughs> we will be in Genesis 26. I thought, I, you, lift, I thought you just lift, said, next week we will be in Genesis. Yes, we will. <laughs> lift, your, lift your face, Brother Benjamin. Your day has come. <laughs> uh, again, listeners, like, subscribe, heart, thumbs up, smiley face, whatever the positive interaction looks like on your platform of choice. That helps not just you, but it also helps us. And if you um, have something you want to say to us, we read every single one. Leave us a message at betterthanfictionbiblepodcast.com and we will see you back next week. Until then, have a good one. See you next time. Shalom. Boom. I'm locking that in. It was solid.